welcome everyone to our second episode of Spinster vs. Spinster. Where Kelly and I choose one movie that one of us either loves or the other one feels is underrated and we discuss it and we just have a nice, fun, unstructured chat. Overrated. Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. Underrated. Overrated, not underrated. <laughs> See, already my bias is coming in, is coming in for this movie. Uh, we choose one movie, we discuss uh, the good points, the high points, the low points, and just have a fun, un- very unstructured conversation around this film. And so the choice for this month, for our second year anniversary, is a movie that I am obviously very passionate about, and it is the 2016 Canadian supernatural horror film, The Void. Haven't you ever wished to save someone beyond saving, no matter what the cost? This is uncharted territory. The body has to adjust, of course. We weren't built for this kind of thing. You'd be surprised at the things you find when you go looking. There is something calling them all here. People get in here, what are we supposed to do? You saw it? What was that? Do you know where you go when you die? I do. This is a film that was written and directed by Stephen Kostansky, who I had met at Horrorama last year, and I literally fangirled because I love this movie so much <laughs> and got to talk to him about H.P. Lovecraft sure and stuff did. like that. Um, it was also written by Jeremy Gillespie, and these are these two gentlemen are actually part of what we call the Astron Six, which are a bunch of Canadian uh, horror uh, directors and horror, horror directors for a lot of indie films. So as much as I love The Void, like I, you could probably see back in my screen, I actually have the movie post above my TV. <laughs> I also I wrote a monthly pick about this movie and I just can't talk enough about how much I love this movie. So I'm super excited to have this conversation with Kelly because I'm pretty sure the first time I ever said anything about this film, Kelly was like, I didn't like it. I'm like, we're gonna, we're getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> and as a side note, I will remind everyone that the video portion of Spencer vs. Spencer is a Facebook coven exclusive. So please join us over on Facebook in our Facebook group to actually see this happen in real time. Also a reminder, these episodes are full of spoilers because we are getting into this movie. We're going to ruin everything for you because we're going to talk about everything. So for me, I remember a couple of years ago when this movie came out and it was being marketed as, which may or may not be of the fault of Astron 6 folks, um, but marketed as like this like 80s horror retro, lots of practical effects. It's gore, it's Hellraiser, but also blends in Event Horizon. And watching the trailer, I thought, oh, fuck yeah. Like this is going to be something like I am into. So I actually went to see it for the first time in the theater. Might have been like a Rumorg Cinema Cobb monthly showing. I was on four hours of sleep, so okay. I didn't like it much okay. when I first saw it. And this is, again, this is going back a couple of years, and I hadn't rewatched it since. Though I did think that it deserved a second watch, because again, gives everything the benefit of the doubt, I had four hours of sleep. Yeah, fair enough. Nothing is interesting when you have four hours of sleep, generally. So, (laughs) 
I was happy to go about this. And I was hoping that my mind would change. And I watched it today. And sadly, I liked it a bit more than I did the first time. Okay, like a notch up, a notch up. A little notch up, (laughs) but I would never watch it again. Well, that is... (laughs) Uh, that is understandable to every, to everyone that each alone. I know uh, when I saw this movie being advertised in Rumor magazine and people all talked about how it was like very reminiscent of John Carpenter and Clive Barker and uh, Lovecraftian horror. So of course you use the word Lovecraft and I'm already in. Like I'm already into this mm-hmm. movie. And yep. I saw it at a late night screening at the Mayfair Cinema here in Ottawa. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And I was just, surprised you were going to like be awake for it. Yeah. It was like freaking, I think it was like nine o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm usually in bed by 8. I don't normally start movies after 8 p.m. Because it's just, I always fall asleep. But I was wide awake the entire time watching this movie. And I was just so entranced in this film. And then when the Blu-ray release was announced, I think I got it from, oh gosh, I can't remember. I think Severon or another? No, I don't think so. Anyway, I had gotten it from one of those uh, local, not local, but like really big horror movie distributors that are really popular online. So I ended up getting it like right away. And I'm like, okay, I got the Blu-ray. Like, it was just one of those movies like, I knew I needed to own, so... And correct me if, I were, if I'm wrong, Jess, is this movie still in your top five horror films of all time? It is. It is. Oh yeah. my God. Again, <laughs> bold claim, just like Suspiria. Bold, uh. bold claim. Okay. <laughs> Tell the world some key highlights and key points that you love about it. It's funny because like all my notes are just like, oh, this is amazing and this is amazing. Okay. So what I like about it is A, it's Lovecraftian horror. It has cosmic horror. And I'm pretty sure like when I talked about this very early on, I mentioned cosmic horror and you're like, what is cosmic horror? And I'm like, well, like if you leave it HP Lovecraft and you're like, I don't read H.P. Lovecraft. Like, tell me this again. So, but it's very, like, of that realm of, like, everything is so ominous it's so big and so scary like this world of like this unknown cosmic entity that is like that is like watching over us and can influence and change people it is I love the score I love the color scheme like and I realize that and like think like just hanging out around you and Brandon more and like watching more colors and movies and I'm just like I just love the bleakness of it the damp the cold like you like you think about I'm like oh man like it must be so abandoned in this decrepit hospital reminds me of like just like scenes in Lovecraftian novels like the village of Dunwich and you know just how decrepit how old everything is and everything feels so ancient I've discovered that I really like small town horror movies so I really mm. like mm-hmm. it when you yeah. are introduced to like a group of ordinary citizens, like a group of community of individuals who know each other so well. And that's what it's like in The Void, like Daniel and Allison and Bev and Dr. Powell and Maggie, like they all know each other. They all know each other's mm-hmm. family. And then it's like very much like Stephen King in the sense that you have this small community, they all know each other, but yet there's like these deep secrets within this community that eventually come out and being like this whole terrible darkness. Like there was a point where I was watching this and watching this film again, I seen it like five or six times now watching it I was like oh was Daniel's father like one of the cultists could he have been in league with Dr. Powell and or was he sacrificed because Dr. Powell talks Mm. about that in the film to witness my daughter's rebirth my disciples ready for their own transformation you'll experience it yourself but first you have to die for me like your father and son before you. 
You're right. Before watching The Void, I didn't really know anything about cosmic horror. And one of my favorite episodes of our podcast is the cosmic horror one because I learned a hell of a lot. Mm. And those two movies that we talked about in The Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness, I liked a lot. Like I fell in love with Prince of Darkness. So historically, Lovecraftian horror, though I like the idea of it. It's very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hit or miss for me. And understand, like, going into the void, I can appreciate the Lovecraftian aspects of it way more than I did, like, three years ago when I saw it. Mm-hmm. So I respect that. I appreciate that for what it is. I know that cosmic horror is really hard to adapt onto the screen, and I think the void does a good job of that. It does. A really, really great job. But the aspect of, and we talked about this, and I talked about this in the cosmic horror episode, what's usually hit or miss for me and what I don't like is not what the cosmic horror is about which is like i get it's i want character driven stories i want an actual plot line and the void is essentially devoid of really a structured plot okay and i just whenever i watch these movies i feel like they're incomplete by the end i'm just like but what i just need a bit more information i just find that they're incomplete and i'm missing something okay i'm feeling left out like there's just there's something missing out of this whole thing and that may even be the point but is that just for me? Some people love Lovecraftian horror like you, but then there's people that just aren't into it. And that's me. Yeah. And I guess like for me, like I see the void as like, this is literally like a couple hours in time of just sheer mystery and madness. And that's what Lovecraft is. Like this is literally just a short period of time of mystery and madness. You'll never really know what's going on. You'll never really know what Daniel was yeah. seeing. What is that triangular form yeah. that he keeps seeing? What is this vastness of space? And there's that other element of mm-hmm. too is it creeps me out because it's like this otherworldliness, this other being right. that could be hiding like these vast elder gods that could exist somewhere on the edge of space. And we already know that space is terrifying. You know, it's so mm-hmm. vast and it's so dark. And you yeah. see those beautiful images of like the structure in the sky and the dark fields and the storms. And you're like, where is this? Yeah. What is this other world that mm-hmm. makes us humans look so tiny and so small in comparison mm-hmm. to it? What do you think about the practical effects, though, the, in terms of like, oh, the monsters? Oh, the practical effects are fantastic. The creature designs yeah. are great. And when I first watched the movie, again, it might have been, like, the difference between watching it in, like, an old theater compared to, like, in HD on my big TV at home. But it was much more clear, much more bright. Yes. I remember it being very darkly lit when I first watched mm-hmm. it. And I was like, is this an alien versus predator scenario where it's so darkly lit that I can't actually fully appreciate these monsters? But watching it today, I could see that it was very well lit, well, like, well lit enough that I can actually appreciate these monsters. So, oh, yeah, which brought me, you know, to mind, like, tons of other movies. So creature effects, creature designs, a thumbs up for me. I can appreciate that gory, gritty, bloody mess for sure. Into that. (laughs) And also too, like I had that similar experience where I saw the film in an older theater. And then when I owned it, I watched it on like a small Mm -hmm. TV screen. So when I watched it again is on my brand new bigger screen. Like I said, in HD and I was like, oh my God, like seeing uh, some of the images Mm -hmm. just was Mm -hmm. uh, very changing because I was seeing things I wasn't necessarily seeing before on a smaller screen. And I love the creature effects. They really creep me out. And I especially love when they go down into the basement and they run into the room of all of the Doctor's Mm -hmm, creations mm -hmm. and it always reminds me of the Cenobites because the way they all start revealing themselves is like they're just coming out of the walls and they're just like this deformedness and you're like that's Mm -hmm. very visceral and I'm pretty sure I did like the Instagram story of the one creature like slamming its head against the pole 
Yeah, that scene actually was the highlight for me out of the whole movie. So I can really appreciate that within like 10 minutes, they get into it. They get into the weirdness. They're getting into the horror. You don't know what the fuck's going on yet. It's very weird. It's going to go someplace. It, for me, it doesn't go anywhere. And it's just like, it gets into it. However... If you're going to get into everything very early on, you got to keep that pacing up. Hmm. And I don't think they did that very well. And again, it made it just kind of be a bit of a slog for me sometimes. I'm like, you have to, if you're not going to build up some characters, which in the end, I don't think I didn't care about any of these people. But again, you're not really supposed to per se Hmm. because they're meaningless and whatever. But if you're going to get into it, you got to keep me engaged. And I just, I'm, I'm not, I didn't find it overly compelling. Like, yeah, you have these cool monsters and these great effects, but you're just not keeping it going. Your pace, again, I found the pacing to be a bit off. So I was not fine. I did not find it very engaging. You know, at first when I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know, like I like the pacing of it, but I can understand like there are moments where it gets really slow and you're like, oh no, you're going to lose me if you don't get back into it again. I, for me, I really enjoy how visceral some of the effects are. Some of the scenes that Mm -hmm. happen, like when Bev stabs a kid in the eye and then you turn around and she's like shearing off her face. Beverly. What? Jesus Christ. What the fuck are you doing, Bev? Beverly? This isn't my face. What? Bev? No, no, don't do that. Bev! Put this in time. Look at me! Bev, okay, stop! It's not me. No, 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 don't do that. Bev. Can you help me? Bev, Bev, stop. No, 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 no. Beverly, stop! And I'm just like, whoa, you just got right into it. Like, you're not holding back. Mm-hmm. And then when she turns into the creature, it's uh, terif- like, terrifying. And it was interesting, too, because uh, obviously the film, there's a lot of tentacle images involved. And that tends mm-hmm. to happen with a yep. lot of love, Lovecraft and love, Lovecraftian horror, these images of tentacles. Yep. And I had this thought, and I was thinking about it again today, and just like, why are we so afraid of tentacles? What is this? Mm. I'm fascinated. I don't think I yeah. you know, tentacles I think are really interesting. I think octopus and octopi are very fascinating creatures. Oh, yeah. They're very mysterious. Yep. And yeah. I was actually researching online earlier. I was like, why are we afraid of tentacles? And I was yeah. like coming up about I don't I couldn't even pronounce it, but talking about like the phobia of octopus and how there are people out yeah. there who are really afraid of tentacles. And so I like images of like how that's being used in horror, right? Because they're all over the place. And we see this in the void with Bev, like yep. the both the the father and the son like they target the tentacles as they're coming out of bed and then earlier at the end where the um reborn daughter of dr powell is comes out Mm -hmm. of maggie and is literally dragging maggie behind her but she's got these tentacles that are coming out i feel like overall humans don't like creatures that have more than two to four legs okay like spiders centipedes millipedes more legs the more afraid we are. It's like very alien. We can't relate to that. Like our four-legged creatures in the animal kingdom, pretty much like our mammals, our our avian species, some of our reptiles and stuff. Like we can get that. But if you have, let's say six legs, eight legs, like you're just getting into like weird territory. And like tentacles are, you know, they kind of seem like they have a mind of their own and there's more arms that we can't like control. Like that is, maybe it's a control thing. Maybe. But uh, just we don't understand it. And as we know, humans like to fear the the unknown and what we don't understand. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Tentacles, yeah. Well, and that's what I guess. I'm not a, like tentacles. Don't I don't think they're. I don't. I'm not afraid of tentacles. I think they're fascinating. I'm actually afraid of mm-hmm. snakes because they don't have legs. 
they slither mm. on their bellies. I, I just can't handle yep. any. It's just all muscles. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have, if it doesn't have legs, it creeps me out. Like, you know, maggots yeah. and yeah. centipede. Well, I guess centipedes have like little yeah. legs, but so I think yeah. tentacles, they, they don't. They have a lot of legs. They don't scare me at all. But we do have, right. they, they come up often in horror. Like something, a monster has some form of they tentacles do. and they're very terrifying. Yeah, that's very true. I forgot that Art Hindle was in this for a blink of an eye. Blink oh, of an eye, the, the sheriff, sheriff that comes in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, Art Indels is in this. Oh, he dies very shortly on. I was like, man, you have a legitimate actor in this and you kill him off. I didn't like that because, like, the acting is fine. Like, it's very fine. And you get Art Hindle. Come on. And you kill him. Can you uh, refresh me and maybe the listeners who don't necessarily know who Art Hindle is? <laughs> um, Art Hindle was a super babe in Black Christmas. He was the the young good boyfriend oh, of one of the girls. Okay, the one who was like Not the terrible Bob one. Yeah, the, <laughs> the one who was guy. like, "Damn yeah. it, my girl, the girlfriend, my girlfriend's missing. You do something about it." And yep. like, oh man, okay. Oh, yep. oh man, that's awesome. Yep. Okay, so he's probably yes. done some other things yeah. too, though. Oh, I'm sure he has. But I just know him like he's quite infamous for for Black Christmas, another oh, okay. Canadian classic. Yes, wonderful movie, folks. Um, so he was in it, which was really really fantastic. I still don't understand so we have this opening which is like a very shocking opening of this man like this guy coming to the house he runs away and a girl comes out Mm -hmm. and fucking they light her on fire yeah i still don't know why those men are involved in anything what are they doing there who are they why were they in that house what was happening i don't understand their place in this whole thing and i think it it has something to do with (laughs) (laughs) i thought i i did know but like you end up learning that something happens with vincent and simon so somehow some member from the cult or something like that like massacred their whole family and I guess they're out there hunting these people down but yeah it doesn't okay. it doesn't get in it doesn't go into detail but like they just they have a very limited connection to it like it's very mm-hmm. it's very minor I don't want to say it's very minor but maybe it's just the fact it's just the fact that they had somehow there's a connection to this cult like somehow they were tracking these people down because they obviously had to track down this house to find all these druggies that are being used by the cult members Dr. Powell and his cult members to change into creatures and to figure mm-hmm. out essentially like cosmic life after death and being reborn so sure yeah but why don't you tell us who these people are because even by the end I was like did I miss something I've been very focused on this movie and I have no idea who these people are and why they matter yes they had some trauma. Yes, somebody's wife and child died. Fine. But why the fuck are you here? They're essentially just hunting down the cultists and hunting down all of these these people who were part of this cult leader. How about movie? You'd be a little bit more, you know. I think they're forth, at- forthright with some of your information. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that comes with like that, that mystery element to it is we don't really know. because yeah. And we're kind of like briefly learning about various things. And I think that they're also added to to add that sense of a conflict, right? Because obviously obviously like they barrel in and they're just like we're just gonna kill everyone here and we don't care and like Aaron Poole's character was like Daniel Mm -hmm. he's like whoa Mm -hmm. whoa like I'm a cop calm down Mm -hmm. like it's all gonna be okay and you you see him as a character you know changing it's interesting because this time around I realized like he's very much a dick the whole time like he like even though he's trying to calm everyone down he is not like super nice to his ex-wife and not even ex-wife because yeah. he's like no no Allison is his wife but because she lost the baby and I guess something happened between them but I just I know that I like the scene mm-hmm. he's like excuse me sir would you mind following me thank you that kid will be fine he's been through a lot worse those people killed his family and barely got him out of there alive yeah what about you man of mystery Mind your own business. And by the way, 
Pretty stupid to go running off by herself. Okay. I'm pretty certain you can beat the shit out of me, but I consider it my special privilege. I hate my wife right now, so if you could kindly shut the fuck up. But I like her character because she doesn't fuck around. She's just like, yeah, this woman's yeah. having a baby. I am a medical professional. I need to go yeah. and get the supplies I need. You know, so yeah. I like her character in the sense that she doesn't fuck around, right? And it's yeah. and it kind of, it's yeah. kind of sad how she gets captured and, tra- and transformed yeah. into like the what was my note? I called her the cosmic mother, right? Mm. That she had after like you know they there are strange because they had lost a baby together but in the deliveries room Dr. Powell Mm -hmm. kind of turns her into a cosmic mother that allows for like his daughter to be reborn and that was uh, that that scene that imagery is very interesting how that changes a lot of tentacles a lot of tentacles too (laughs) but also like I think another element that I really like about this film is the mystery around the cultists like you want to know about Mm -hmm. these people like who are these people where they come from they just show Mm -hmm. up they're wearing Mm -hmm. all the white with the triangles on their face the complete adoration of Maggie that she has for Dr. Powell and she's like I am mm-hmm. super willing to be a sacrifice to allow your daughter to be reborn again and how all the cult yeah. followers will follow him even though it leads to their deaths because Demise. they believe yeah. yeah they believe in something that is older than God and older than death which brings up that interesting element of cults and the idea of, of cults and mm-hmm. why people get involved in these cults and how they have these feelings of complete adoration these complete like we will do whatever we, we can to yeah achieve the end goal that you are you know telling to talking to us and obviously we've ta- seen mm-hmm. this in real in real life how far you know being a part of a cult will go to get to achieve the ends they want for sure and they come like armed with very large knives yeah and again like i understand that a lot of this has to be super mysterious and i just I just need more in my films mm. if you're going to, you know, entertain me. I have I have a question for sure, and it might be super obvious. And I, where does that doctor's power come from? Like, where, how does he have this power to transform people into these monsters? Where does that come from? It comes from the void. Oh. <laughs> it comes from the... It comes from the cosmos. It comes from the cosmos. Oh, it comes from the deep cosmic, right, of being and of-ness of the, of the older ancient gods, right? So he may have that because he talks about how he's like when you're so ravaged by grief and by loss, he's like you will yeah. find things in the darkness that you never thought you would ever find before, right? So there are obviously yeah. things in this world that that he says in the movie, but like in our world, is like there are deep dark stuff probably hidden away that we know nothing about, and that's kind of like how Lovecraft mm-hmm. horror is kind of like like they talk about how there's these elder gods that exist but they you mm-hmm. can only find out about them through the necronomicon that it's actually held mm-hmm. being kept away in a library somewhere deep away do you think that because you are a spiritual person and believe in a lot of that type of stuff does that you think make you like lovecraftian and cosmic horror more like you can just like get into that more and that kind of like world and that atmosphere and like you can just suspend so much disbelief or so i guess suspend your belief on a lot of things to like really get into it and immerse yourself in it? 100%. I can immerse myself. I get really freaked out by it because I'm just like... Right. We, we talk about uh, the things that we can see, but what about the things that we can't see? Or what about the things that we don't know? Mm. It's like I'm re-watching all of Unsolved Mysteries. I'm like, why do people just go missing? What is happening? You know, what ha- <laughs> Where do they go? Are, what are in these, the ditch. What are these, all these strange things in the world that are happening? So that's why I can yeah. really get behind that kind of cosmic right. horror entity because it's like, it's part of that vastness of space. It's part of that vastness mm-hmm. of the world that really we are just like really minuscule in comparison to mm-hmm. a larger threat, right? As 
non-spiritual person, I think that might be something that I don't want to say holds me back from enjoying it, but like I can't just I can't I just can't immerse myself in it because mm-hmm. I just don't have those beliefs. I don't believe in all of that. Any kind of like other world, deep seated abyss somewhere with whatever and energies. And like, I just I think it's just like too far fetched for me that I think watching it, though, it like sometimes it's like visually very cool to see and sometimes pretty grim. And again, I love grim shit. I really wanted to love this movie. Mm. Um, I think it's better to read. I feel like I just really need to read it because I think it just works better if I'm reading it. But I just can't get into it as much because I was like, nope, that's just like too far fetched for me. And that's not something I can like believe in. So I, it's hard for me to believe that these people believe in it. And like, why is this even a thing? I love that you said like, I need to read it to understand it. And that's why I'm like, then don't read Lovecraft. Because when you read his stuff, you will not get understanding. It will literally, right. and that's why I love so much about this film is that it's like, even though it's Lovecraftian inspired, it's not derived from any of Lovecraft's writing. It's along the same element of, it just gives you just enough to to like wet your whistle to be like, yes, I want to know more, but you will never know more. So it drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. And then it activates that fear right. center of like, oh my God. And that's what happens with like right. a lot of like Lovecraft's writing is that he just goes into just enough detail to make you want to know more, but he'll never tell you the rest. And it's a lot of times, like, the story just ends. And you're like, well, Jesus, Mm -hmm. what the hell? Like, when I read um, At the Mountains of Madness, like, he goes into, like, so much detail. Like, he tells you about, tries to describe the undescribable. And I remember going back and having to, like, reread parts because I'm like, I don't, I totally missed something, but it's really creepy. And then, like, he ends it with, like, Mm -hmm. oh, and then I'll never tell you what I saw. And I was like, what? Right. I want to know. Right. I think less, sorry, that that might have been misunderstood. Not that I would get more of an understanding. I think I would just get more out of reading it uh, than okay. watching it. Okay. Because I feel like, like, I don't really want to listen to true crime podcasts, but I love to watch a documentary. I would love to watch a movie based on, like, real life events, but I don't really want to listen to it. Mm. So maybe, like, more listening or reading, like, cosmic horror, I just would get more out of that. Again, it's just, like, it's really, it's hit or miss. People, I've also watched a movie called The Endless, which you'd probably love, Jess, mm-hmm. because there's just, like, for me, I call it Lovecraftian nonsense. That's what I call it. And it's, like, nothing really happens, but it's it's like cosmic horror weirdness, um, but people loved it. And I was like, no, I don't care about this movie. And like, but sometimes it's like, again, it's hit or miss. Movies that have like Lovecraftian feel to it, like let's say The Thing, yeah. that has some cosmic horror into it, um, The Beyond, uh, those types of things. Like, yeah. sometimes I really do like it. Yeah. And this movie kind of just, unfortunately, it just kind of fell flat for okay. me. It has some elements that I like to watch visually but it just was too too far-fetched and like watching it today also have to say the score was like very forgettable for me <laughs> I barely even noticed that there was music ever playing <laughs> but like I can, I can uh, I'll second your love of the, their usage of color and their cinematography and that type of thing I did also enjoy that watching it today I really saw that it's heavily influenced by a number of films Event Horizon Hellraiser From Beyond The Beyond and even the thing, yep. probably more. Yep. So it's like heavily, heavily influenced. And honestly, I'd rather watch all of those other movies than The Void. Because what they did, I just think they do it better. Like the Beyond, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, yeah. Beyond very little plot. Pretty much minimal, like very little plot, which again, these types of films, uh, a lot of his films, but also these types of like Lovecraftian adjacent influenced mm-hmm. type cosmic horror, weird horror films are usually minimal plot. But like it, it's, it's I found that very compelling. I find all those movies very compelling and amazing for what they are giving me. And I just feel like The Void took a lot of these influences and then 
didn't really execute it. But it might also be just because it was way heavier on the cosmic horror aspect. And again, to me, I just don't find it that interesting to watch usually. Okay. Okay. Those are my feelings. My scathing, my scathing review. Oh. I love other stuff that the Astron Six folks have done. Father's Man Day. Man the Bart. editor. Yep. The editor. I, I own them. It's great. But like this one. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that's understandable I like because that was one of the things that people were like were saying in the very beginning like there's mixed reviews about the voice some people love it some people hate yeah. it it's gotten some people have rated it 2.5 stars out of 4 because they found the plot hard to follow some of it felt low, low lit some of it is like 3 5 stars you know these random coincidences so yeah there's like a lot of like there's mm-hmm. there's mixed reviews it holds a 78% yeah. approval rating you know on Rotten Tomatoes for people it feels nostalgic because it has that low budget 1980s horror and that's what Astron 6 is known yeah. for they're known for their practical effects and working on going back to that era of building your horror based around the effects that you're building I just totally. think for me in the sense um a I have I realized I have a, a soft spot for Canadian horror so I really love the fact that it was a Canadian group that went out and did this film they filmed it over in uh they filmed it in Canada in, in the November 17th of 2015 yeah man Canadians yeah give me Canadian horror great I also love Canadian horror but it's good <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness but also too so because i mm. love hp lovecraft's stories and let me be clear as a person no i do not care for him i know he's problematic and and that is kind of like where i'm in this place of trying to like you know separate the author from the work i know he's problematic mm-hmm. he came from a very problematic time as well but the ideas and the horrors that he writes about are very interesting mm-hmm. to me and i find very fascinating and it's an interesting realm and universe and his stuff is really hard to bring to screen it is mm-hmm. not easy and people have struggled with bringing a lot of his stories to the cinematic screen there are some really bad ones out there and Mm -hmm. i own them like i literally if i find something (laughs) you own them i own them (laughs) if i find something that is lovecraftian inspired or is an adaptation of a lovecraftian story I will buy it. You're in. I have Dagon. Yeah. I have um <laughs> <laughs> I have another one. I think it's the the unnameable. I have you know, I would gravitate towards that. Yeah. And some of them are really bad and some of them are really yeah. good. The reanimator, I love reanimator. Oh yeah. It is not a close adaptation of the original mm-hmm. uh stories. It's actually like kind right. of like a blend of the uh the, uh, of all the reanimator stories. Um Herbert West's a reanimator and same with uh, Re- um, Bride of Reanimator, they pull out elements from the original Lovecraft stories into that into that movie. It was just nice to see that being brought to screen and seeing them actually to me I think they do a really good job because it's really hard like uh, Del Toro mm-hmm. Guillermo Del Toro mm-hmm. has been trying to do At the Mountains of Madness for ages now and it's not mm-hmm. easy to film is not easy to bring that horror to the screen and really have people be affected by it and this is what I like about The Void is that they show you the horrors but they still like hide it away and it's just this vastness I love and the only other film that's really done that really well recently is Color Out of Space and that is one I recommend people to see because the the short story is really good and then they did such a good job doing that one and Nicolas Cage is really great in it so I recommend people see that as well so it's like Color Out of Space is kind of like up there with like the void in terms of just bringing that Lovecraftian cosmic imagery to life for me. Okay, last thing. Let's talk about the ending. (laughs) So, and I know this is like very decisive between folks. Yeah. I know you love the ending. I don't like the ending. Yeah. So we get to the end. One, are they dead or are they the souls? I don't get that because I would feel like that woman Beverly is super dead. Also because he like hacked her to pieces. Yeah. So is this like her 
soul that's now in this like other realm, so to speak, quote unquote, are they dead? I think they're dead. Well, she would have to be dead, but like Daniel goes into it, not dead, stabbed, but not dead. Yeah. So are they dead? Can you be dead? Can you be alive wherever the fuck they are? He, I don't yeah, know. he chopped up his own wife in that scene. And yeah, he was stabbed and he him, he pushed Dr. Powell into the void, into the nothing mm-hmm. to stop what was going to happen. In my mind, I think that they are dead. Right? We all have these comps. That, like, we have these beliefs that there is... Well, okay, we don't have these beliefs, but other people have these beliefs that there is this idea of heaven and hell, right? Mm-hmm. You die, mm-hmm. you either go to heaven or hell. But what happens if you yeah. don't go anywhere? What happens if you end up somewhere completely different and you don't realize that it's something even more ominous and terrifying, right? And we don't even know where they're going. What that triangle, what that... Because yeah. the typically, um, there's a lot of symbols in this movie. And I remember, like, yeah. looking up, like, what are triangles mean? What do all these circles mean, right? And typically, yeah. uh, triangles, uh, especially triangles, are used in a lot of occultist summoning rituals, and, you know, and, and then usually a circle is around it as a form of protection. So, clearly, they've summoned right. something, some cord of portal. So, they could be, like, in a completely, maybe they are, aren't dead, and they are in a completely different world. An unknown different world. Different dimension or di- something. Exactly, right? And watching it now, I still don't really care for the ending, but I get it a little bit more than when I saw it for the first time, because the doctor is asking Daniel like do you want to see Beverly again do you want to be with Beverly and he's like yes he's like I will give you her or whatever so maybe he has some kind of powers I can make her like not super dead and cut up maybe that's her soul maybe that's I don't know he has magical powers, mm-hmm. quote unquote. So maybe he can maybe do everything, anything. But for me, in that movie, that yes, you say the word bleak, and I do find that yeah, it is it is dark, it's very foreboding, as these films usually are. Death is really the answer. Like you can go beyond death, beyond mm-hmm. death, quote unquote, for this. And I just found it a little bit too upbeat that they got to do it together. They're holding hands and are facing the void. They're facing the abyss together, and that's just like a little bit too positive for me. I want everyone to be alone because in death you are truly alone in my mind so I would have liked them to be alone you know I, it's interesting you say that like in terms of like Aaron and Allison sorry Aaron Aaron Poole is the actor Daniel and Allison <laughs> yeah yeah being dead together in the void I actually have a different beef with the ending in the sense of mm. I find it interesting that the son and the nurse in training survive. Because, mm. A, it's very unlikely that you would think that they would survive. They do survive, mm-hmm. and then they make it out. And so a part yeah. of me wants it to be even bleaker and be like, they, Nobody survives. no one survives, or one person survives and they've gone mad. Which is right. much more along the line of uh, Lovecraftian novels because everyone, like, they all go insane at the end. Yeah. So, and that's a possibility. These people, from what they've awit, but like, even then, though, like, the nurse, she didn't, she just witnessed a cultist and she just witnessed, like, the girl stabbing her, her, she didn't experience yeah. all that. Saw some shit. Whereas the son, yeah. he saw a lot of weird stuff and he experienced oh, a yeah. lot of weird stuff. So it made more sense maybe for him to survive and her to die. So, yeah. I'm more she was like, just hiding in a room. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like, so part of me was. Was just like okay I would have preferred it if either everyone dies or one person dies and it's not the nurse yeah. in training it's the son but because he can't speak he can't talk about the horrors that he's seen Ooh, and it still remains yeah. a mystery these cultists could yeah. come back yeah I would have liked that a lot more too good good eye yes I would have I would have preferred that also I gotta put my foot down Uh-oh. that ending was a complete ripoff of Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. So <laughs> folks at Astron 6, come on. That's like ripped from the pages of The Beyond. 
homage to the beyond. Homage oh, my ass. <laughs> you know, like well, like I said, like there's the scenes when like the creatures are coming out. It reminds you very reminiscent of the Cenobites coming out of the darkness. Like, okay, yep. yeah, it's very Hellraiser. Yep. Monster types. The monster are very, types. Like in the mouth of madness with Sam Neill that yeah. we talked about. Uh, yeah. Bev turning a lot of things. Bev turning into the crazy creature that she does and has like the thing that comes out of her head. That's very much like the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing seeing people that died prior, very event horizon. Yeah. You know, there's being haunted by those that have died or they've seen die, people that they love. Oh, yeah. It's just, I was perhaps, you know, I just wanted something a little bit more unique. Mm, Okay. I just, it was too blatantly obvious that they had all these influences. Yeah. Just like you literally just did, which is like, that came from this. And you can like pinpoint everything. And it's like less of homage, more just a mishmash of movies that were better than yours. Boom, 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 boom. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts on The Void. Well, you did bring up some really good, some good points about the film in terms of like where they're coming from and how sometimes the pacing can be, can be off and pull you off it. But I still love this film. No matter what anyone says to me, (laughs) no matter how much people can point out being like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And this is a rip off of this. I get it. I see it. And part of me sees like that's an homage. They are paying tribute to the that came before them and what inspired them to get into the genre themselves. But like I said earlier, it's so hard to film cosmic horror right and it's so hard to like make it feel and look good. And so I just like it because it does that. It does that for me. And as I keep watching it, I enjoy it more and more. And, you know, even if I don't know so much about the characters, I really like the character of Allison. You know, even though she doesn't live very long, she is tough. She is, you know, to the point. And the Cultists are interesting because I think cultists, cults are kind of fascinating yet to terrify me at the same time. Like, it has a lot of elements that do actually terrify me. And that's what I'm looking mm-hmm, for in mm-hmm. horror films sometimes these days. I'm looking for the things that scare me. And that does. Well, there you go. Those are my final thoughts. Yours? <laughs> my final thoughts is that it's not scary. None of that stuff scares me. But again, that's going to be on based on personal preferences um, and personal, you know, fears. I wouldn't recommend people watch this unless, like, a very niche market of people that actually appreciate and enjoy Lovecraftian nonsense horror, which is I'm going to call it in quotes for the people listening to this. Visually, yeah, it looks pretty cool but I'd rather watch all the other movies that influenced it because I think they just do it better. And yes, great that you're Canadian. And yes, I do like what you guys put out, generally speaking. It's just, it fell flat for me. And that's why I think it's overrated. Well, that's it, folks. That was the next edition of Spinster versus Spinster. I think the next one might be on Midsommar because fuck, guys, I got thoughts on that. Oh my goodness. And they're not positive. <laughs> no, I think the next one we're going to do is one that I don't like. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to find one. I'm sure we'll be able to find that. But again, thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.